0: Well, guys, we start a series today called Ripe. That's kind of a a double entendre there. Uh, Here's the deal. We see this in Scripture that Jesus and the rest of the New Testament writers used the image of fruit as a way to describe people who follow Christ, who've yielded their lives to Christ and are led by His Spirit, the kind of actions and attitude that they will display in the world. It's described by Jesus and the other writers as fruit. In fact, uh, if you look in Galatians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul says, But the fruit of the Spirit, what is he talking about? He's talking about a person who is led by the Holy Spirit and led by the example of Christ. He says, This is what's gonna happen in their life. These are the attitudes and the actions that will define who they are. Love, and we're not talking about a flimsy, fickle, you know, infatuation kind of love. We're talking about a love that endures. It says, I have your back no matter what. Even if you're my enemy, I am going to reach out and love you, that kind of love. And what Paul says is that is gonna be ripe fruit in the lives of people who are maturing or growing up in Jesus Christ. Joy, which we're going to look at today. Peace, forbearance. Some of your translation actually says patience. A person who has the ability to endure something without giving up or giving in over a long period of time. Patience. Yeah, wow. You know, some, of you, some of you are feeling that right now. But that is an attribute or an action or an attitude of of, of someone who is ripe in Jesus Christ. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So for the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at some of these fruit that we, through God's Spirit in us, are being ripened or matured to become. And that is why we came today. We came to look at that and celebrate that. Now I want you to imagine something for a second. Can you imagine if all of us got a hold of that? Like, if we brought those attributes and actions and attitudes into our our personal lives, into our marriages, imagine what patience alone would do to a marriage. Can I get a witness? Yes, amen, John. Patience alone, like, if we just grabbed a hold of that fruit and, and applied that to relationships how we would be able uh, to take relationships in our life to a new level. Kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Wow, what would happen in this crazy world if people like us had impulse control? Like we didn't, we delayed gratification or we we said, you know what, not right now. Or you know what, that's not a wise decision. And even though I have these very fallen, you know, instincts that make me want to go after that, I am going to use self-control. Like what would happen in this crazy, seemingly hopeless, heartless, hateful world if we flip that upside down and became people of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control, I believe, just like you, that the world would begin to change. We have that in us, Brentwood Church. That is in us. That fruit is thriving in those of us who have yielded our life to Jesus Christ. Now, here's the deal. We have set this church up intentionally to be a church. If you do not believe that, that's okay. Like, like you come and you hear God's word. You come and, and, and feel the embrace of of our hospitality that we hope you believe is sincere and genuine. But here's my prayer for you. My prayer for you is that the more you hang out here, the more that you will surrender more and more of your heart and your mind and your life to this truth, to this followership and this journey in Jesus Christ. So that is my prayer for you today as well. Uh, so today we're going to look at one of those actions and attributes, and that is joy. Turn with me to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Uh, if you're a one-book-a-year kind of person, I want to suggest this book. Some of the content that I'm going to be uh, talking about comes from it. Choose Joy. I read this book this year, and I just it's one of those books where you're just like, man, I... Ah, I just want to. I want to get work some of this content out on my own life, but definitely want to share it with some others. So, in addition to the scriptures, uh, some of the research that I'm going to use is coming from this book. So, if you're a one, a bo- one book a year kind of person, uh, this is one that you want to ask for uh, for your birthday or for Christmas, um, or just you know just walk into your local retailer and grab it. Uh, Kay Warren is the wife of Rick Warren, who wrote one of the best-selling books of our time, Purpose Driven Life. Some of you know that. It's a very well-written book, but some of the research and insight that I'm going to be referring to today came from this book. Okay, so we're going to get to James in just a second. There's a phrase that I love to hear from my children. In fact, I I create situations where it kind of gets worked up uh, for my kids. It's a reckless, almost barbaric phrase that I think every parent, especially dads, want to hear from their kids. And this is it. Here it is. Here it is. You ready for it? You're the best dad ever. You guys know what I'm talking about? When you hear that and you're like, your dad heart is about, you know, you just feel, you know, that affirmation from your kids. Um, here's, here's kind of how, here's some situations that, that, you know, maybe uh, some environments that I create for my kids to, to evoke that phrase in them. Uh, a few Saturdays ago, my wife was going to be gone all day, so, you know, I was going to be hanging with the trio. And, and so I said, um, as soon as they got up that Saturday morning, I was like, hey, no chores today. And they're like, party! Like, you know, reckless and irresponsible. Let this house fall. You know what I'm saying? So that was like, that was the, the beginning of it. And then I said, hey, we're not going to eat cereal and toast this morning. We're going to Chick-fil-A. Eat more chicken. So they're, they're already just like, what is happening? I cannot contain this. So then later, uh, I just said, hey, you know, what do you guys think about going to the dollar, dollar movie? Popcorn Palooza. Yeah, I mean it just is getting. I mean they're about to tear off their clothes. You know it's like, you know, whoa, hey, calm down, kids. We leave the we we go we go to see the Lorax and we're leaving the Lorax and we're walking towards the van and this was it. This was like the this was the you know the the cherry on top moment. And I said, hey guys, what do you think about us going and getting Mexican for dinner, and then we'll go to our favorite yogurt place afterwards. And my son Chase. Uh, he he was he was up here in the first service uh, for the for the setup team. He's got a little faux hawk. He's about eight years old. Cool little kid. He stops his brother and sister right there in the in the middle of you know movies ten parking lot, and they know exactly what he's getting ready to do because they join him in unison saying, "You're the best dad ever." It was beautiful. So you know I stood up. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. That's it. I, I got you guys there too. Uh, you know that's one of those moments where you know you stand up on the you know on the top of the van and you kind of just do one of those dances like yeah I did it I I, I brought my kids to that moment. Um, but I, I want you to you, do something with me because you you know what I know and that is if I had if I had made that Saturday different and I have a, a hundred times before that. Um, and that is, you know, waking them up and saying, hey, it's, you know, we got chores to do today. This is the typical Saturday. You know, Chase, I need you on the garage. Ethan, you know, on the lawn, landing on the laundry, and then come check in with me because there's other things that we got to do. We got to take responsibility for this house. Okay, daddy, you know, and hey, today we're going to, you know, we're going to limit the, uh, the, the TV and the video games. You know, I want you guys to play outside. I want you guys to, you know, to, to, to read books. Okay, Daddy. You know, and, and oh, and by the way, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to have a home-cooked meal, maybe a salad and some grilled chicken with some olive oil and water to drink and an early bedtime. Yeah, and so what, what? What are they walking away with? You know, Daddy hates us. <laughs> he hates us. Yeah, and I give you a very, you know, a, a, you know, expanded, uh, maybe a little, slightly exaggerated version of what their typical Saturday looks like. But here's what I'm going for: those moments when we pull out all the stops, and they're like, "You're the best dad ever." I know those are going to be few and far between right now, at this point in their lives. Another part of their lives, when they get in their mid-20s and 30s, I hope to hear something different as they look back. When they're in their mid-20s and they're getting up early and they're having to go to that job that they delight in and that they don't take for granted and they go, wow, you know, uh, you know, I can't believe you know, that, that God lets me do this. They're going to go back to those chores and they're going to go, okay, dad instilled this in me. I didn't get it then, but I get it now. And when they walk into uh, to meetings and or into situations uh, where where they're where they demanded to have you know long extended periods of attention. Uh, they're, they're going to go back and, and they're going to go, okay, now I get it. You know, dad dad limited our, our TV and our video games because he wanted us to be able to sit in a room and pay attention and focus. You know, I, I think, you know, when they get at that point in their relationships with their, their future spouses and it gets tough and they, they realize it gets demanding, they're going to go back to times in, in in their life with me where I was saying, hey, you need to endure this This pain, you need to endure this season. You need to go to your brother right now and tell him you're sorry and you need to hug it up because that's what we do. That's when I hope to get the call from my son or daughter in her 20s or 30s or his 20s or 30s. And he calls up and he says, Hey, I want you to know, I get it now. I get it. I didn't get it then. I went to my room sometimes and I was just like, Dad's so hard. Dad's so mean but now I get it. You're the best dad ever. That's what I want to hear. Here's why I say that. Because our heavenly father does some very similar things in our own lives. You know, there are moments of of just great elation and joy where God just pulls out all the stops and we just can't believe it. Like, whoa, God, you just blessed me in my job. You just blessed me, you know, in in my relationship. You just blessed me. And and it's like, whoa, dollar movie, Chick-fil-A. Thank you, God. You're the best heavenly father ever moment. And yet then there are seasons where he demands something of us. He says, I want you to do this. I want you to roll up your sleeves and I want you to get dirty. I want, you to, I want you to walk across the room and tell them you're sorry. I want you to do something difficult because it's going to work out later in your life. I, I, want, you, I want you to work hard at certain things. In fact, on certain things, I'm going to withhold things from you. Not, not TV and video games, but maybe, maybe a relationship that you want to have, but you're not ready for right now. Or, or maybe a job or a job opportunity that you want to have. No, 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 we're, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna hold that up. We're, we're just going to wait on that. Or we might not even see that at all. And there are times in our lives where we're going through this and we're going, okay, God, I want to trust you and I sing the songs about you at church and I read the Bible and I see these stories. But right now I'm walking to my room going, hmm, do you really love me? And, you know, can I really be happy and joyful about you being ultimately in control of my life? I think we've all wondered that sometimes. And that brings us to this idea of joy. Like, how is it that we find joy in God and joy in the life that he has placed before us when we're not having those fun days with dad, when we're having those chore days, those days where we're limited, those days where he holds things back, those days where he demands or wow, allow certain things to happen to us that are tough. Hmm, I think we've all been there before. And, and the good news is this, we, we, we look in the scriptures, and I'm gonna go ahead and, and just kind of bottom line it, and then we're gonna look at this in the scriptures, that God, <laughs> he, he created us to be joyful in every circumstance, every circumstance, good, bad, ugly, whatever, testing, triumph, And everything in between. He created us to be joyful in every circumstance, but he's left the decision to choose joy up to us. And we're going to see that today. It is totally our choice. Now, he created us. He put that fruit in us. He will ripen that fruit and put it on display in our life. But we take or we make the decision to choose it or not. And that's going to make sense as we get into it. Let me tell you a little bit about James and then we're going to break that down a little bit. Uh, James was the earthly brother, brother of, of Jesus Christ. Up really until his resurrection, Jesus' resurrection, James did not believe that his brother was the Messiah and probably believed he was crazy, honestly. Didn't actively participate in his crucifixion, but kind of passively would have stepped back and go, man, look, you know, you're saying crazy things and you maybe, maybe kind of deserve this. We don't know. That's all speculation. But what we do know is that James, his earthly brother, did not believe that Jesus was Messiah until after the resurrection. We don't know if Jesus' resurrected body, um, if he, in resurrected form, went to visit his brother James uh, among the hundreds of people that he visited during that 50 days between his resurrection and his ascension. We don't know that. But somewhere after the resurrection, Jesus got a hold of his brother James and James was all in because James became one of the great leaders of the early first century Jerusalem church. Now here's what you got to know about the pastoring of James of the first century church. It was probably one of the toughest churches ever in the history of church to pastor because number one, it was the first one. And number two, it was smack dab in the middle of persecution. Like everybody around, the Romans and the Jews were like, you guys are heretics or you guys are crazy or we're coming after you. And so James is pastoring in a church that at any moment he goes, this thing could all fall apart. I mean, somebody could come from without or somebody from within and blow this thing up. And so he lives in that faith and that tension every day. And he's got people coming to him constantly saying, we just lost our job because people found out we're part of this church. We just, man, my brother just got killed because they found out we're Christians. Man, they ran us out of town. That is the church that James is pastoring. And so he's a guy who can speak into that reality that we just, how in the world do we as Christians, as followers of Christ with the Spirit of God in us, how do we, how do we bear fruit of joy when everything is seemingly falling apart around us? And here's what James says. Verse 2 of James 1. Consider, if you're a note taker, underline that. Consider it pure joy. Pure joy, what does that mean? It means not this fake you know, put on airs, uh, you know, I don't know how you say it, just that temporal sense of joy, people kind of acting like they're happy. Instead, it's a real joy. It's an authentic joy. It's a joy that comes from deep within. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, whenever you face trials of many kinds, he says something here that moves us to the path of joy in our lives as followers of Jesus or potential followers of Jesus. It's a word that we as Americans really love, and that is the word consider. Here's what the word consider means. It means literally to choose. We love that, don't we? We love our choices. You know, we walk into Walmart and there's like 50 brands of soap. That we can choose from, you know. You got the iris spring, and you got the, you know, you know, two thousand whatever, and what? I mean, you just he's like, ah, oh, we've got choices. You know, you, you can walk down any aisle, and you've got, you know, this cereal and that cereal, and this milk and that milk. We love choices. Well, here's here's what James is saying: you have a choice when you face trials of many kind. Here's the choice: joy, pure joy, or despair. Joy or despair? Is despair a real state of mind and heart? Yes, it is. Is it one that we all face? Yes, it is. In fact, some of, some of the, the some most passionate writing we get in the Old and New Testament are people in despair, people who are looking at the reality of their lives or the reality of, of, of their times, and they're going, oh, God, why? Why? And so what what James says to the church is he's like, look, you can choose to live in one of these places, joy or despair. What does it mean to choose joy? Here it is. To choose joy, to believe God is ultimately in control, which means I believe that everything will be all right, which empowers me to do something, to trust God and to thank him. What does that mean? Let's go back to that again. To believe God is ultimately in control. What does that mean? It means that that I may not see through the fog or or the mist or the haze, but I know on the other side of it, God's in control, and that means everything's going to be all right. It may not be all right the way I want it to be all right, but it'll be all right the way God wants it to be all right, so ultimately it'll be all right the way I want it to be. Say that three times really fast. And so here's my response I can trust God no matter if I have a headache or the bottom is falling out of my life or my 12-year-old is in induced coma. I have a choice. I can believe that everything is gonna be all right because he's ultimately in control and therefore I trust and I thank him. I just praise him. God, I know that in the end that, that this will all be the way you want it to be and so I'm gonna thank you. And there is a pure joy that comes out of that. And you, and you know, and so, so let's talk about that for a second. Kay Warren talks about the way we process joy. She's, she talks about the joy bell curve, if you will. And you can see that right here. You know, on one side, there's intense joy, and then there's intense despair. Uh, there's a small group of you here that annoy the rest of us that live in this place of constant joy, you know, strawberry fields forever, <gasps> puppies and picnics, you know, and, and and we're laughing, but these people are true. Their, their their joy is pure. They honestly live on a Jedi level of joy that we 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 question the sincerity of it sometimes. But most of the time, we just want to be there. That you know, the glass is not half full. The glass is not even full. It is running over. They, they see life as, you know, the best things are yet to come that, you know, they always look on the bright side. There are people sitting in this room, a small minority, not 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 most of a small minority of people here that, that live on intense levels of joy. And you know where it comes from, it comes from a place that we all are inspired to get and it lives inside of us. And God is compelling us to. Most of us, though, live right here at number two. And that's kind of, you know, some days I'm half full, some days I'm half empty. But the, the container is ha- has has some capacity to it. Uh, we don't have really high highs or really low lows. We sort of, sort of live, you know, I, I'm moderately joyful. I, I'm moderately depressed. You know, I, there's time I can live in that place depending on what the day is like, and how I feel, depending on what the circumstances are. We live in that. That's where most people live their lives. Another group of you uh, are kind of there in in number three, and that is you're kind of heading down towards despair, and and that is joy is beginning to evaporate from your life. You've lived more than one season in depression. You have a hard time getting out of bed. It was a hard time for you to get here this morning. Uh, you, You honestly... Uh, want just, to just kind of retreat to this, this very closed place in your life. You don't find yourself laughing anymore. It's hard for you to smile. I, I mean, you live in, in a place where you would just say, joy is not a friend that comes to visit very often at all. And then we go all the way down to that fourth place. And this is a very small minority, but, but I believe represented here today, and that's a person who's about to give up, Honestly. And I believe you're here today to hear a truth and to hear a word that I believe will save your life because you know and I know you've thought about taking it. Joy hasn't evaporated. It is long gone in your life. And you have had this conversation where I've given life my best shot and I don't think it's, I'm ever going to pull out of this. And you're thinking and contemplating very dark things. Here's what I want to say if you're in that place First of all, this is a safe place, and I want you to know you're here today to hear a truth that will be a turning point because God has a plan for your life, and he wants you today to choose something maybe you didn't think you could choose ever before, and that is joy, and that is hope. And I want to say what Matt said last week when he, when he was coming to the very end. He was talking about weakness and struggle or, or strength and, and weakness, and he says, don't give up. Don't give up. Because you're here today to hear that God created you, that he created you to experience joy in every circumstance. Are you going to choose it today? That's what James says to the church. He says, look, man, you got a choice. You can choose joy or despair. Now, look, I know what some of you are saying. If you're, if you're there somewhere on that bell cover, you're like, John, are you just saying I can never cry, I can never weep, I can never be sad, I can never be in despair? No. Again, the Bible is filled with some of the most beautiful stories. Here's the thing, and this is why we came today, and this is why it's in the Bible. We don't have to live there. That is not our inheritance. That is not why Jesus hung on a cross, so that we would have the fruit of despair. No, that we would have the fruit of joy that would define our lives. I think somebody needed to hear that today because you're already debating from the very first time. You mean I can't? No, 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 sadness and, 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 and oh man, those are real emotions And, and, we, and but they're opportunities to give those right back to God and to choose joy. How do we do that though? Okay, John, yeah, I, 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 I recognize that that God is in, you know, ultimately in control and I, and I recognize that everything will all be all right. But sometimes I just don't believe that. Sometimes I don't believe God is in control. Sometimes I don't believe everything's gonna be all right. And so I don't trust him and I don't wanna thank him. And that's why James says what he says next. Look what he says. Verse three, choose joy, why? Because you know, know, K-N-O-W, what does that mean? It means that you can remember and you can think. You can think. Notice he doesn't say because you feel. Because sometimes we don't feel like being joyful, do we? And that's why I think James goes and says, okay, here's what you know. Here's what you know, church. You have a choice to choose joy or despair, but while you're choosing, know this. Know this about God, that God is ultimately in control. He's ultimately in control. And that is the first step in living out and ripening in the fruit of joy. And that is constantly going, what do I know about God thus far in my life? What has been consistent in my life that I know about him? Ha, did he get me through that terrible season in my life where I wanted to give up, where I wanted to give up on that marriage, where I wanted to give up on life, where I wanted to give up on everything, but, but he continued to put people in my life and he continued, I continued to hear the scriptures and I, and, I, and I made it through and I'm here today to tell my story so much differently because of what God has done. Yes. What else do I know about him? I know that he created me with a purpose. I know that he loved me so much in the world that he gave his one and only son to redeem my sins and to resurrect me into his family forever and to change the world through me in between. I know that about God. I know about God what? Look, that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. That God is going to take a testing moment in your life, a trying moment in your life, a demanding moment in your life. I'm going to limit this moment in your life. I'm going to ask this of you moment in your life. And what is he going to do? He is going to strengthen your faith. Wow. And where does it begin? It begins with what we know about God. To choose joy, I've got to go, what do I know about God? What do I know about him thus far? Because then that begins to change the way I feel, and that begins to change the way I act. Let me give you an example. About seven years ago, I got a digestive disease, and, man, it rocked my world for about a year. Uh, many of you guys have you know, you've heard me talk about this. Many of you, you tracked with me through that season in my life. Lost, you know, 30, 40 pounds, couldn't eat. I mean, I, I mean, walking up the steps was, was like climbing Everest for me. I mean, it was, it was just a tough season, very, very trying season in my life. Finally got out of the woods, you know. Miraculous, you know, s- you know sequence of events. Uh, but but after I began to heal, there was about two years where I lived with some of the side effects of what this disease had done to my life, and there were certain things that I used to love that I could not I could not enjoy anymore. And one of them was coffee. Okay, I thought maybe I would lose you know lose some of you right there, like. <gasps> oh. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't drink. I, I couldn't eat uh, ribs, pork ribs. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> There's the hot button right there. I mean, no sweet baby rays on my, on my, you know, on my ribs. I, I mean, I, there were certain things that I used to enjoy that I couldn't enjoy anymore. And so I just began to say, you know, oh, you know, I guess I just won't be able to ever eat or, or, or take in that stuff anymore. And then I started doing research and people started talking to me. And I finally realized something called probiotics. Some of you guys are here today and, you know, there's the good bacteria you have to, you know, you put those in you. So I, I started doing all this research, and I finally found this probiotic that I could, I could take that my body could process. Here, you know, so far, so good, so that I could, you know, have my dark roast at Starbucks and my Sweet Baby rays you know, all that. Here's the problem, though. It tastes and it looks and it smells like dirt. Like, honestly, every morning I have to, uh, yeah, I, I put this, it looks like mud. It looks like dirt in my hands, And I, it's all organic-y stuff, you know, I don't know. I, I'm sure it's like dead cow and, you know, rusted root or something of something or another. It, but it's mud. It's like I just, you know, you know, like a bait bucket of night crawlers. You know, let me go drink my coffee now. And so what had to happen is I had to begin to look at that dirt pill differently. I had to think about it differently. I had to say, you know, that, that is a sweet piece of peppermint candy. Yeah. That I can take so that I can enjoy some things in my life that otherwise will be very difficult for me. And, you know... The same thing is true of, of what we know about God and what we know about testing, trying seasons of our life. If we begin to, to, to know that God will use those moments, that he will withhold things, that he will demand things of us, that he will ask things of us, and they're sort of like a dirt pill. And it's like, I know that even though that looks and smells and tastes nasty right now, that eventually I will begin to process that in a way that will bring joy to my life. Some of you say, well, John, you didn't go through that divorce with me. You don't know what it was like to go through custody battles and, and, and lawyers and, and all that. So, you know, John, you don't know what it was like to get the call from, from, from the doctor to say that, that they're gonna need to bring me back in. You don't know what it was like sitting there getting chemo. You don't know what it was like to lose somebody you love. Man, I get that. And we all have those Moments in those slices of despair in our lives because we're human and that's, that's part of the deal. But here's what, here's what James says. Man, you come to this, this place in your life where you can choose one, one or the other, but you were created to thrive in this no matter what the circumstance. But Here's what it means to choose joy. You gotta believe and you gotta know that God is ultimately in control, which means everything's gonna be all right. Maybe not the way you think, but it will be all right. And your response is to simply trust and think. Trust and think. Gotta trust you. Man, this is tough right now because I just want to watch TV. Nope, I want you to read. Man, this is tough right now because I just want to go watch a movie. No, I want you to clean out the garage. <sighs> but you know what? Here's what James says. It's producing faith. It's producing, it's ripening you to be a person who gets to that Jedi level of joy that a few people in this room get, and we all want to get there with them. Mm. What he says next, let perseverance finish its work. He says, don't try to get out of it. Don't try to bail out of it. Let it do its work in you. I was talking to Robin Fouts, Elisha's mom, and, and and she was just telling me, she's just saying, you know, I'm, we're just so humbled by the response that people, you know, have, have taken, even the people here in the hospital. And when I, when I went to see them that first night, I just thought, okay, we're going to go, and I'm going to be pastoral, and I'm going to encourage them, and I'm going to show up, and they're going to be in shock and despair. I get there, and man, they are, they're they're so full of joy and meaning, and, 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 I'm, and, and they're inspiring me. And a little bit later in the week, one of the nurses, uh, she said, you know, and I don't know if I, I've already shared this, but she said, she says, I'm not really a religious person. She goes, I don't really go to church. But she says, when I walk in this room, I sense more of God here than I ever did in any church. And she's talking about a room where there's a boy lying in a coma and parents who are praying over him and, and knowing that God is doing something in and through his life. Man, how do you do that? How do you get there? Well, James says it. You've got to choose it. You've got to choose it. Where does it start? What do I know about God? <sighs> He's ultimately in control. Okay. He's good. He's great. It's all going to be okay. But what if it's not okay the way I want it? It doesn't matter. It's God. And he's gonna do something in and through you. Wow. And that's what he says. He says, so that you may, second part of verse four, you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. Isn't that why we came today? I mean, just to take one more step to be ripe, in a hopeless, hateful, heartless world, to be a little bit closer to this joy, to this fruit of what it means to have God's Spirit thriving in us. And to put that, to let Him put that on display for our spouses and our future spouses, our children and future children, our neighbors and future neighbors, our coworkers and so on. When they just look back and they go, Man, that person has Jedi levels of joy. No, 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 not Jedi. Jesus, oh, yeah. This week when you face a headache or all heck breaks loose or whatever in between, I want you to just practice something with me. Just, just, just say this, just, I choose to believe that God is in control. It'll be up there, here we go. And, and you'll have a screen there for you whenever this happens. Thank you, Amanda. I can choose joy because I believe God is ultimately in control, so everything will be all right, which empowers me to trust and thank Him. I'll make that even simpler. Choose joy. Trust God. And then thank God. Choose joy. I can choose one of these. Despair, you know, I'm... I'm I'm created to feel sadness too, but I don't have to live there, so I choose joy. I'm going to trust God because I know everything's under his control. And then I'm just going to respond by thanking him. And you know what? That thankfulness and that gratitude is just going to come out in my life and people are going to go, why? How? What if we did that this week? Again, Robin and Nate were sharing with me a moment this week. Where they had finally kind of come to the end of their reservoirs, and they had just gotten more news, you know, that, that set them back. And Robin says she, she went outside of the room, and she just sat on the floor there in the hospital. She put her face in her knees, and she just began to weep, just weep. They like in in a you know, just right out there in the middle of the floor, and um. She said something happened. She said, she, said she, she could see this man approaching her, and he, he, he had come out of one of the rooms, and she said he was a Hispanic man, and she, 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 she indicated him that because his English was a little broken. And he, he went to where she was. And she was about, I mean, she was this close to just going, why God? I mean, she had, she had chosen joy, chosen joy, chosen joy, trust God, trust, trust God. And then she was about ready to just go, and there's this man standing there and he, and he says to her, my son just died. I mean, literally moments before in another room. And some of you know this. You've, you've watched the news three days before Elisha. There was a, a little boy crossing Timberlake who was hit by a car. And, and there is his dad talking to this boy's mom. And he says, my son just died. And she said she got up from that moment and she, she embraced this man who, who a week before, they would not have even known each other, much less experienced an embrace like this. And this is what he said in his broken English. You know, She's embracing, and he's embracing her. He says, but your son is still alive. Do you get that? Like, how do you how do you become a man who doesn't just rage against God in his in his in his in this in this room as he as his son is is taking his last breath and he's and he's dying. How do you not just be angry and despair? The guy walks out of the room to minister to someone else, and that's that. I don't know, man. What happens when people get a hold of that? I mean, what, what, what changes in the world? I think everything does. We choose joy. I mean, I don't get this, but I'm going to choose. I'm going to choose joy. It doesn't mean I'm, I'm, I'm dancing you know, in the hallways, but it means that I trust God. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to have moments of despair, but ultimately I'm not going to live there. And all I can do is thank him. Thank you, God, for using this to ripen me. And that's the call I want to get when my kids are 25 and 30. Thank you, Dad. It was hard. I didn't get it at the time. I didn't want to go through it. But I am the person I am right now because of what you did. Pray with me. Father, this week, give us the strength and the courage to choose joy to trust you and to thank you. I pray right now once again for the Fouts family and for Elisha, that you do something miraculous in our midst because of him, because of what you do through this story. Take that broken person here today who's about to give up on everything and give them this truth and magnify it in their heart and mind and let them walk out of here empowered to live with hope again. It's in Christ's name that I pray this, amen.